remember the past, pick up your copy of the Haven Herald and rev up your attack van as we escape to Haven. This is Troubled, a Haven Rewatch podcast. I'm your first host in our father-son podcasting duo, Alex French. And I'm Rich French, the French who will be drinking beer at noon on Sunday with the Alamo City Cheeseheads watching my beloved Green Bay Packers. Yeah, so we were back from our sabbatical. We were, you know, just recovering from finding out Audrey only had 40 days to live to, you know, before 46. 46. I was just in the general ballpark of 40, but I know you like your specificity. There was some intense, intense therapy required, uh, you know, you know, prayer circle, Bible study, all of that required to deal with our emotions. We had to take 46 days off just to kind of, you know, take it all in, take it all in. All right. So we are covering episode three of The Farmer. Uh, like every episode, we like to start off with a summary, especially since you can't find Haven at this current moment of recording on anything like Netflix or Tubi. They just keep taking away all our options. Any free platforms. You're stuck with purchasing DVDs like us or paying for it on Amazon. Or winning our Blu-ray giveaway for season two. We gave away season one last season. Too many usage of too many uses of the word season here. Last season, we gave away season one on Blu-ray. This season, we have season two. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as you can see, we're well-seasoned podcasters. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so we'll be giving that away. We'll Towards the end, when we're doing our little outro, we will give you the question you have to answer to enter the contest to win. So now you have to listen to the whole episode. Yeah, and that's how we get you. If you want free shit, you got to listen or just skip ahead. The episode the farmer begins with a woman kind of waiting on a jogging trail, uh, clearly waiting for someone to finish what probably, you know, taking a piss or something. Yeah. Uh, pit stops, the term they use multiple times in this episode. Someone's somebody is just like, yeah, we can't sit. It's got to be a pit stop. Anyway, she's waiting. She gets impatient. Like, where the fuck are you? She goes, finds that he's dead and his uh, lungs are sitting next to him. Right. Ex- exactly. And then uh, we kind of transition to Audrey in her place above the gray goal and Duke coming to talk to her. Right. Yeah. Duke's trying to tell her, hey, take a day off from this, you know, from this crazy shit, you know, you know, and uh, she's just like, I just want to help the troubled. You know, that's what I can do. And then Duke's like, I'll even show you my secret oyster field. And, you know, but she's having none of it. And she still hasn't told Nathan uh, about the the truth about the hunter storm. So but then, uh, you know, she has to go to work. Right. So they go to the crime scene. Check it out. We find out Dr. Lucchese is the permanent coroner. And he's like, yeah, there's no incisions and shit. It's just been removed. Yeah, basically, uh, his lungs were removed out of his mouth is what it what it looks like. And there's interesting thing. There's a there, there's a black gentleman there, on, you know, out there, you know, kind of with the crowd that's gathered. And he's taking phones on his uh, taking photos on his cell phone uh, of the crime scene. So that was a little interesting thing. Yeah. Uh, and so we kind of go back to the police station. Uh, things are kind of tense between Audrey and Nathan, right? Yeah, she finds some uh, like murder mystery theater tickets on his <laughs> desk, you know, and she's He's like, like, what's yeah. this? <laughs> He's like, yeah, He's we're going to go in a month and, or whatever. And like two months, she's like, oh, uh, actually, uh, in 46 days, I'm going to disappear. And he's like, what the fuck? What? Yeah. And she finally tells him about the Hunter, you know, the Hunter uh, meteor storm and every how it comes every 27 years and she disappears with it. So but then at that point, before they can really explore that anymore, Lucchese comes in and tells him, hey, the lungs we found aren't Greg's. <laughs> They're someone else's lungs. 
And so uh, they go to talk to. He's like, "Yeah, you got to talk to the, you got to talk to someone, right? Like you got to talk to the, the lady. fiance. Yeah, yeah, and she's already talked to a guy who was here before, you know. Put in so they're and then they get a call, right? They're like, "Fuck! Now we got to go take care of like an attack at a house." Well, and it so happens the guy she talked to was a uh, was a black man around thirty five years old, wearing a leather jacket. So something's Says he's a up cop. here. He hasn't. Yeah, he told her he was a cop. Right. right. That's what I said. It says he's a cop. So the next, uh, they go to a house where there was a report of an attack, and they see a body on the ground. And who's there over it? Uh, roughly looking thirty five year old black man wearing a fedora, and uh, who he, they he, tells yeah. him his he name had, is Tommy, and he's a cop. Yeah, he identifies himself as a police officer from Boston. Uh, we kind of going to find out in a bit, maybe not here in this conversation, but you find out his partner or sorry, his trainee got killed, uh, in a mysterious circumstance and it led him to Haven. He kind of has a whole little story uh, and he came to check things out. He's like, I'm part of you guys. They, hi- they handcuff him. They go upstairs to find what's up. And they find like a girl very traumatized up there. Right. Shivering. And uh, she's asking about her brother who is the, the body on the floor. Uh, so back at the police station, uh, they they are going to talk to this Tommy guy, and they're getting to the bottom. That's kind of re-explained. Yeah, my trainee died. Blah 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 blah. And he kind of jumps in on the investigation to help him, but he's going to hold off on calling the feds because he hates the feds. So he's going to help him out. You know, figure this shit out. Yeah, and at the same time, uh, Stan is given a tour of the of the police station to his uh, nephew. We we find out later his name is Mark, and at this point. Zoe uh, attacks Mark and she's trying to uh, looks like she's primed to uh, suck some organs out, out of Mark and uh, you know Tommy Audrey and Nathan up run up and Tommy just flat out pistol whips her right in the head knocks her out so she could stop the attack on a her. real Tommy knocker one might say oh. uh, yeah so then he's like yeah yeah thank yeah you're welcome and they're kind of like what the fuck but he's like yeah that was the right thing to do at the hospital, we kind of find, you know, we're, we're, you know, blah, blah, blah. They go to the hospital to check things out and they find out that everybody is kind of coming from a single that there's like a sperm donor that's connecting all the people that are involved in this case so far. So they're going to head to Haven's uh, illustrious sperm donor clinic to, uh, fake, to get to the bottom of this. And it's titled Haven's Hope Fertility Clinic, yeah. <laughs> though it looks like just a regular house to me. Yeah. So, probably so, a house we've been in. It's probably like the the inn from earlier in this season, just redressed. Yeah, exactly. So they go there. They 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 talk to the director, and the director's being dismissive, like, "Oh no, all of these babies have different fathers." And then Tommy's the one who mentions, like, "Hey, there there was a doctor in Cambridge who was swapping his own sperm for the donors, so maybe that's what's going on here." They ask for twenty five years of employment records. Nathan says, "I'll get a court order to get you, to, you know, for for the baby's records." And then they see the big picture the wall like a collage of all the babies and that's audrey's like we gotta save them we gotta save them yeah so back at the police station they contact duke or audrey's like duke's coming to help me out nathan's like what the fuck like why are you getting this guy like we don't need him and she's he's like i'm calling in every police she's like we need to search every house i need duke with me and like you're kind of like uh what the fuck and they get in this yeah. big argument yeah, she's got a list of 29 children. So that's what she says she needs Duke for to help her go through the 29 children. But Duke's and, with her instead of, you know, spreading out. So it's like, does this actually help the numbers? Yeah. And here? then and then instead of helping with that, uh, you know, 
Nathan has to stay behind and explain the troubles to Tommy because he's yeah. not buying it. And he's like, what know. are you guys talking about? A chupacabra trying to blah, 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 blah. And Nathan's like, all right, here's the troubles. And Tommy's like, yeah, this is all bullshit. If you guys believe in this witchcraft shit, fine. But, you know, I we still need to catch this person. So I'm with y'all. Just I don't believe any of this shit. And they're like, OK, OK. Uh, and they kind of move on from there for now. Right. And so I, Audrey and Duke go go off to look. And meanwhile, there's this girl, Miriam, who is a high school age student. And uh, this there's this creepy middle aged guy who's got a little notebook and he's got a picture of a baby Miriam and then teenage Miriam. And, you know, which makes it obvious who he is. He's our he's our our villain farmer. He's the farmer. That's all right. I wonder if he goes to farmers only dot com to uh, he's married. <laughs> Yeah, he's married, um, but we don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. So he asks her if he could use her phone. Yeah, then he he like he like attacks her, right? Like he lures her to his car and then like tries to suck out her organs. Luckily, Duke and Audrey, you know, were they had they'd figured out who he was, right? Because they went to his house and right. found the pictures of him, right? Like with his yeah. family, and we're like, it's this fucking guy. Well, they not yet actually. No, eh, whatever. They, no, what they did was is uh, they spotted a guy in a sea dog's jacket, and that's what Tommy had said. How he got to Haven was he followed a sea there you dog's go. So jacket. yeah, the sea dog's jacket. Then they, she got his license plate when he was escaping from attacking the girl. They go to his house, find the pictures of his family, and they're like, "Oh my god!" You know. So then they go looking for him. You know, in the finale, like the the climax, as they go find where him and his family are. Right. They they kind of split up into two teams because there's two remaining relatives. So but basically, uh, so Audrey and Duke uh, arrive at the Draper house, which is a relative, and they see the van there loaded up with uh, and we'll say his name is Harry Nix. Now we know his name's Harry Nix. Uh, so Nix's wife is there. His uh Kids are in the van except for his son. Uh, Nick has taken his older son, uh, Connor, out into the woods for yet again another pit stop. Audrey Duke rush up. They figure out their wife tells them they're in the woods. Nathan and Tommy arrive almost virtually at the same time. So all four of them run out there. And what do they find? They find uh, Nick's like, you know, pinning Connor down and getting ready to suck out his uh, organs. Right. And they knock him off. And then uh, Audrey's like, you know, why don't you guys go back to the family? Tommy and Nathan, me and Duke will handle this. And he's like, what the fuck? And then he kind of figures out, I was like, oh, my God, what the fuck? And he leaves. Duke kind of figures out, like, you're asking me to kill this guy. And Audrey's like, well, all those kids are going to become like organ suckers just like him. So, like, if you kill him, like, it'll save all those kids. That's what I was thinking of. And he's like, fuck you. Not your decision to make. Like, I can't believe you'd push me into being a killer. She's like, oh, you know, you're right. Never mind. Leave. Like, I'll take care of it. Not in a very convincing manner. Right. And then, and then we kind of, yeah, just we leave the scene. Right. We, so the, you know, our next, you know, uh, Audrey meets Nathan, Tommy, and Lucchese at the morgue where they see all the bodies of his, uh, of all the victims. Yeah. You know, they say, hey, Tommy, what are you going to tell your captain back in Boston about this? And he's like, I can't explain this shit. And the Duke's like, I mean, and uh, Nathan's like, hey, we could use a cop like you in Haven. Hey, I've known you uh, four hours and I think you're ready to join the force. They had a lot of so, chemistry, you know? Come yeah, on. And so he, uh, Tommy's like, yeah, no, and thanks. He leaves. And then Lucchese shows Audrey and Nathan an x-ray of a new body where the nose was removed surgically. So it's not Nick's. And it was the, the, victim was killed by a bolt gun and then Lucchese puts up the x-ray of another x-ray killed by a bolt gun and then tells him that's Rosalind Toomey 
or tuning, whichever. And uh, so basically Audrey's abductor is out killing people and Audrey right. knows it now and she doesn't know why. And we knew the bolt gun from Dave and Vince from before. Um, you know, on the police station, Audrey's walking by and essentially breaks up with Nathan where he's like, I can't believe, you know, you did you were trying to get Duke to kill. And she's like, well, I can't believe you got a fucking tattoo. He's like, I was trying to protect you. And like, then they're kind of like, trying yeah. to protect me. Yeah. yeah. And so. she talks to the therapist and she's like, well, you know, you're pushing him away because you want to protect him. Like, you know, is that a good idea? And she's like, well, you know, the Colorado kid got killed because he was close to Lucy. So like, uh, that's why I'm pushing away Nathan. Right. And uh, in her opinion, she feels it's justified. So next she, week. Yeah, she tries to she tries to talk to she tries to talk to Duke and he's drunk, not really having it. Uh, and we and she's kind of like, oh, all the kids, you know, trouble disappeared. Like, what did you do? And we kind of flash back to him walking. Audrey bizarrely leaves. <laughs> she walks a little bit off uh, away from the body to call Laverne to order an ambulance. Walks kind of off. She's pretty far away. But anyway, Duke comes up and chokes him, you know, uh, suffocates him, kills him, gets some blood on his hand, goes wide eyed. And we kind of see what he did. And then without saying anything, to Audrey, he just leaves. He's too torn up. Yeah. Yeah. He gives her a very disdainful look and uh, walks away. So and to conclude, Tommy's hanging out in the motel. You know, he's got some some business going on it sounds like and then somebody comes in the door opens and someone comes in but we don't see the result all we see is tommy bringing a dead body out to the forest talking to somebody saying he's going to stay in haven for a while and then he starts burying it right he says tell donovan i'm out of it you know he sent someone to kill me so that's what yeah. uh, they're they're leading us up to see look like tommy killed someone and it's burying the body uh, in the woods and uh that's what do, do you say leading us to believe Hmm. Anyway, I think we might talk about that later. Uh, <laughs> okay. What did you, what do you give episode three, <laughs> the 3.3, the farmer on a scale of one to 10? Well, first of all, the, the fucking name of the episode is God awful. I, I get uh, it. Cause it's like organ farming, but harvesting, like, harvesting. Yeah. But yeah. The, I, harvester, I har- the harvester would be a much better episode. I think title, I think like maybe harvest or the harvester like would be better maybe even like i don't know the reaper or something than the farmer yeah. i i think harvest would have you know something with you know, harvest exactly but nonetheless i you know i digress this is a tough episode to rate because it's so busy i mean they just tried to cram so much shit into this this episode i felt i mean it just i mean we get introduced to a new character you know who's, who's a dirty cop by the, by the way at least it's implied he's a dirty cop then we rope Luke Casey and Claire back in. Then we get the whole. You make it sound like Luke Casey's got his own subplot. He's just kind of there. Like, hey, Luke Casey's a, you know, a player. He's an accessory to like, you know, he's an accessory character. He doesn't really like he's just kind of exposition like, oh, yeah, the bolt gunner. Like, oh, yeah, this isn't their organ or oh, yeah, sperm donor. Yeah, and then we then we got the whole Nathan won't trust Duke thing. With uh, Audrey is resigned to her fate. Those themes continue. Uh, the trouble. I don't like the trouble. I think it sucks. As well, you know. And it really seems to me that the whole hep- episode was cobbled around finding a way to make Duke use his trouble and split up Nathan and Audrey, and you know, and affect a relationship with Duke. But there were some things I liked as well, a few, but the highest I can rate it on the patent pending. Frontal meter is four. Uh-oh. A four. Oh my four. god! A four. That's. I, I had a hard time uh, rating it. Yeah, wow, I just four. I, I think uh, a lot of things are. I don't know. I just. Uh, I, I don't uh, like the episode, uh, man. Like my gut says, like seven, but my brain 
says like six to five. Yeah, um, I, I, I would say before I started my more detailed preparation and watch, it might have been a six to five ish, you know, but after, you know, really digging into some things, it dropped to a four. I could probably uh, be talked to a five. I'll, I'll stick on a six. I'll stick on a six. I don't think it's as good as a seven and I don't think it's as bad as a five. See, OK, so I think where we disagree is that I, I think the trouble's fine. Um, I think it's a particularly fucked up trouble because it turns basically your whole family into like psychotic like cannibals essentially like you know obviously there's organ thieves but like you know consuming your relatives i think it's a i thought it was an, i thought it was an interesting idea personally uh yeah I, I, I mean what didn't you like you didn't like the concept or do you not like like the tongue thing you know uh I don't know. I just find it. It's just a one of. The, I know it's the troubles. I just. It just seems like it's just like a dumb trouble. Like like why would this ever have you know uh, started? You know. You I know? think I could see this over something like weather control or like food rotting. I think this what, one is sounds what, more realistic. Of like, what I, I like that one a lot better than this. Okay, okay. Man. You like weather control, but how much does like evolutionarily does weather control make any kind of sense? This I feel like is based more in something you would see in an actual or like okay i should say this what kind of curse is like weather controlled it's like it's not necessarily a curse it's more just like a superpower whereas like this one feels more like a curse this more feels like uh i can't remember the kid's name in butterfly anymore but something that you you know that feels more like a curse rather than like fire starter is more just like a superpower right like this one feels less superpowery and more like something a witch would do to you right it's like a witch would be like now you have to like, you know, eat the fucking organs of like your, you know, relatives to survive, which like turns you into this like monster that has to like eat your own kids to like keep going. Um, so I think to me, it feels more like supernaturally like uh, like I can buy it as like a curse, whereas like some of these are I'm like, that's just a superpower, like electricity, like, come on, or like <laughs> the power of persuasion. Like sometimes we kind of delve into like X-Men heroes territory with some of these troubles. This one feels more like cursey, like something I could, I could like the execution isn't quite where I think you'd be, but I could see this being in like, a, like a subject of a Stephen King book, maybe not as like silly with like the tongue and like leaves his own organs sitting next to them. But like, you know, <laughs> yes. like that's all, that's kind of weird. It's like I said, some of the execution of it's weird, but like the concept itself, I could see being like, a horror concept and like a bigger, more like uh, I don't know, robust story, personally. So I like it. I like it. Okay, I like I said uh, I'm willing I, I to could, move I it. Couldn't, up. I, I couldn't. I'm willing win to you move over. it to a five, but <laughs> I can, will not go any higher than five. So um, where I had issues, um, I actually like Tommy. Um, it's refreshing. Sometimes, as much as I like all the main players, some it's nice to always like throw somebody new in you know to kind of churn the waters a bit more um because we got claire but claire doesn't claire doesn't really do anything she's more like she's literally i don't know what's like a specific phrase i guess i'll call it like a magic mirror almost she just serves as like a she serves as a way for the main character basically to say their thoughts to the audience in a way that they can't through their actions or like dialogue to someone else. It's almost like psychiatrists in TV shows and movies basically serves an excuse for us to get in the character's head without having to like 
do all the translation that, you know, like, okay, if this character throws a glass at the wall, we have to infer like, okay, they're angry or like, what are they angry about? You know, and you have to use the contextual clues you've gotten to figure out why they're angry. A therapist is basically a shortcut to be like, yeah. Then being like, oh yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm like angry. a soliloquy. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's like, in oh, lieu I'm, of a soliloquy. Yeah. I'm angry because like, uh, like, you know, whatever I got like fired from work. So like, that's kind of the, the therapist acts as like a shortcut. So to me, therapists are always like narrative tools in storytelling. I almost never really, I always see them as excuses for writers kind of. So Claire doesn't really do much for me um, except in Ted Lasso. I think the therapist and that's really good. Uh, uh, that's one of the few times where I feel like it becomes more than just like a writer gimmick. Um, and then there's other examples. Obviously it's not exclusive to that. Maybe we had tonight. a big Ted Lasso talk in our last uh, episode at the end of the episode, if you keep listening afterwards, we kind of we we touch on in the episode, and then we kind of go afterward and have a bigger discussion about it. But anyway, yeah, we, yeah. We, we we go we go mega on Ted Lasso. And yeah, I think you'll want to enjoy it, hear it. You know, it's in a critically acclaimed and it's, award-winning show. It's practically a Patreon episode unto itself that we include. <laughs> free so of charge, free, yeah, free of charge. So yeah, so I, Claire doesn't really do too much for me. She's all right. Tommy, I felt like was refreshing to kind of get this person who doesn't know the troubles kind of in there, you know, uh, and, and yeah. how do I say this? He's not playing the whole like mysterious game, at least, you know, until the stinger at the end. He's kind of like got a bit more of like how a normal person were, would react. Whether You know, he kind of hears him be like, OK, so he's going to suck out their like heart. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like. You know, that's when he's like, you, you think this is like a chupacabra thing going on? And they're like, hold on, bro. There's this whole shit you don't know about. He's like, what? what? So I kind of yeah. like, I always enjoy those type of characters who are almost like the audience. Uh, like speaking for us of like, you know, if we were there, we'd be like, what? Are these people like fucking insane? But I also like this kind of like, you know, they kind of like hand waved it where he's like, okay, whatever. You guys believe what you want, but let's still get this done. Yeah, I see. I see. I see what you're saying there. I mean, what did you think of Tommy? And uh, I just, I I just, he was so over the top with the, I'm I'm the city cop and I'm going to call the FBI, (laughs) you know, and, and and when I first saw him, I was like, oh yeah, he the the dirty cop. Yeah. And, um, you know, yeah, but we haven't had like a dirty cop yet. Have we, we haven't, we haven't. And I, you know, but uh, so he, he, he was okay. I just, like I said, it, you know, it's kind of one of those things like they, they have a tendency to do. They, they, they find something they like they, they, yeah. and they it, hit you over the head with it. You know, if he, if he mentioned the FBI one more time, I yeah. would, I would have fucking <laughs> pistol whipped him if I was Nathan. Okay. That was the only thing that I, is he just kept being like, man, I'm going to have to call the feds on this. I'm like, well, just do it. Like stop threatening and just do it. Like, fuck. Uh, that was, yeah. So that was the only thing I didn't really like about Tommy was the constant like threat of the feds. Um, like I said, I'm more put your foot on the gas. I wish he would have called the feds and then the characters have to like, fuck, how do we call, how do we get the feds to not show up for this? Uh, and then maybe edge could help them out, you know, at the end, you know, uh, he could show up and be like, Hey, yeah, I talked to them. They're not coming. Don't worry. Or something. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't get any, uh, we didn't get no edge. We, uh, yeah, age, age. (laughs) We did not get any, uh, Dwight or Vincent Dave. No Dwight or Vincent Dave this episode. And like you said, though, it's like they're introducing Tommy. So there's a lot of like screen time that has to go to his arc. So I get it. Um, Right. And they're trying to reinforce Claire. 
you know, right, and, right. Uh, yeah. So I, I get not, you know, you don't want to overstuff the script with too many people. You only got like 42 minutes. Um, right. And my problem with the episode comes from, uh, and this is kind of probably the major thing to talk about this episode. My problems all stem from Audrey. Uh, she's a big part of my problems with this too. Yeah. She's and, pretty much the only, the thing I don't like, like I said, the trouble's cool to me. It's uh, I think a nice little horror concept. Once again, leaving the organ next to the body dorky, but like whatever, right? Fuck it. There's a couple of things, you know, you got to let some stuff slide. That's kind of the thing where I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, it is, it, it's, it's a sci-fi network TV show. So, you know, I, I was probably a little critical of some of it, but, but the Audrey arc is pretty damn damn damnable do you do you use the end yeah. when you're using when you're like because like you, the n is silent normally but do you when you're saying it is that I think that's it's damnable word, right, right? Yeah, okay damnable. Yeah, yeah. yeah um and if it's not you know we'll just say it enough times too they add it to the yeah. dictionary because uh, that's, apparently works, that's all it takes nowadays yeah. you just keep texting shit and it eventually gets added of course uh so i think audrey's uh role in this is pretty damning there we go we can avoid the situation altogether it's pretty damning uh, and not really, I'm just not buying any of you. Like you, I know you had a, you had a problem last episode, I believe with her, like, I don't know if it was the last episode or the, the season it, opener with it, her kind of, uh, her vulnerability and just, you know, and being resigned to yeah, oh, this her is resignation. my fate. Yeah. You know, and that's my, I'm like, no, that is not Audrey Parker, you know, and granted we know she's not really Audrey Parker, but you know, she's that's not the person it, it is not consistent with her character you know that her just being resigned and giving up and while i admire i admired how duke is really trying to help her and mm-hmm. you know fight and even nathan trying to figure out what's going on with her it's just it's not consistent with her character i totally get i get the old hey i gotta push nathan away because you know he's just gonna end up he'll end up dead classic I, tv I, show trope i gotta yeah, break so, up with the my romantic interest to protect them Ugh. Yeah, you know, Nathan, like Nathan, uh, then we, we got the same shit between, uh, we got the same shit between Nathan and, uh, what was her name? Shit, uh, I can't even remember her name anymore. Uh, God, that should no. tell you how much they did not do a good job developing some of these, uh, guest characters. I forgot her name too. Anyway, we Jean, this- we'll say she's Jean, but it's not Jean. It's not Jean. Uh, you know, the, the witch, speaking of witches earlier. Uh, our our old witch friend, you know, they had their breakup, and you know, he was at first he was like, I don't want you to get hurt, and then eventually she's like, I don't want to get hurt, you know, and broke up. But you know, classic TV trope. Uh, yeah, but like, she's so like, like there's not, I don't know if it's on the acting or the writing, but there's not the hints of like affection that she's trying to hide right it really just seems like she does not fucking like nathan right now <laughs> like like you're not seeing this like oh you know you're not seeing this moment where she's like fuck you know like i am falling in love with him but i can't let him get close to me right and like this like forbidden love you know type thing that you want for drama that's not really coming through it's just coming like as resentful like there's this moment where nathan makes a joke where she's like well what do we do with a cop like you know, who finds out about this shit that's not from here. And he's like, well, sometimes we invite them to stay. And it's like kind of this moment where I was like, hey, that's a good line. Like, that is a good line. That's right. fucking awesome. And then she's just kind of like, Ugh, you know, and you're like, okay, like a wet, a very wet blanket moment, which isn't Audrey. Audrey's not 
like a wet blanket character. So it's kind of hard, you know. When yeah, like, like I said, it's not it's not consistent with you know the character that's developed over to two previous seasons. It is just not. Yeah, I can see her. Let's say I can understand her. I can also understand her being you know a little holy shit. You know, forty six days, and then Sarah didn't get you know get out. Lucy, Lucy couldn't avoid it. You know, shit. I'm probably fucked. I can see a little of that, <laughs> but I can't see her just resigning, giving it up, and then just like you said, when, when Nathan makes a little cute line like that, she she would have chuckled chuckled at that, but. Uh, yeah. Or at least given like a sad smile of like, uh, yeah, like funny, but I'm very like sad right now. Yeah, but, I'm gonna miss that when in four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Days. That's 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 better. That's that's a better way to describe it. Is like I'm gonna miss that like moment, but it was like a, there's just kind of like this like uh like thing. I was like, what the fuck is that? Also, the, like this season has been the shit on Duke season so far, right? Like, yeah, spe- yeah. <laughs> Speaking of like someone trying to help, he's trying to help her out and like just getting fucking shit on by her constantly like and then also nathan duke's like what the fuck dude and the way i don't know how did you feel because i know during the episode when she's like yeah i called in duke to help me i was like what the hell is she doing because it didn't immediately click to me like right off the bat it wasn't until they were at the house and seeing the pictures of the family where i was like oh my god she realized what she's doing she's putting him in a position that he's gonna end up like wanting to kill this guy I didn't think she had some intentional plan though. Cause that's not, that's not an Audrey move. That is like wild to see Audrey playing like the mastermind role. Uh, so to me, that was really like disingenuous to the character that she would like, you know, I know she wants to get shit done, but she's the type of character who's like, we'll find a way, you know? Yeah. I mean that, that, that was flat out stone cold fucking man- manipulation. I mean, it was, it, it, she did have it planned. I, I, I saw yeah, it yeah. fairly early. Um, I didn't see it immediately. It wasn't until there where I was like, well, cause oh, no, you no, don't no. expect it. You don't expect it. But I didn't think she planned. It. I thought she was just like being reckless. I, I mean, I was kind of chalking it up to bad writing being like, Oh, is she not realizes that Duke might be tempted to kill this guy. Uh, but then towards the end when she was like, ah, at first it wasn't a plan, but then it became a plan. I was like, what the fuck? Like, this isn't something built towards, right? If there was, like, a slow fall into, like, doing more villainous things like this, I could, like, you know, once again, as long as the development's there, you can basically sell anything in a story. But, like, it's just kind of like she's normal Audrey, then she gets kidnapped by the guy, and now she's, like, you know, I hate always using this phrase, but she's, like, in this emo Audrey phase right now. And and now she's like, (laughs) she's putting on some Thursday, some taking back Sunday, maybe a little Hawthorne Heights feeling, feeling down, you know? Yeah. She's in her, like, you know, Peter Parker, Spider-Man three mode. And like, you know, she's stopped showering (laughs) and yeah, you name it. And now she's manipulating Duke into killing someone is like beyond dark. Like this is, uh, how would you, would you say this is forgivable? It's, it's that slippery slope that once you start doing this, where when does it stop? You know, and I think that's always been kind of Nathan saying it. Nathan's the look he was giving her was kind of like, hey, what? what? Well, also, you know? I don't think Nathan would have walked away. I also yeah. thought that was pretty out of character. Where he's like, right. all right, I guess I'll just leave it to Andre and do well, Do you think Tommy would have walked away yeah, Tommy as a like, new cop on the, the scene? Fuck, like this guy's not even handcuffed. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not walking the fuck away. That's my that's, that's my perp. You know, right. That's the guy who killed his trainee. He's not going to just like, 
He's not he going to just Paul. like walk away. <laughs> Paul. Paul. Paul, who just dreamt of searching and finding out who his real father was. Yeah. Uh, so I thought the whole scene just didn't really make much sense, except for maybe like Duke's behavior, I thought was the only thing that felt in character i mean he was put in that position that that you know if he doesn't use his power more and more people are going to die i mean a a lot which comes down to the conversation he had with his ghost dad in the field right where the ghost dad's like yeah if i'd killed that person he wouldn't have burned all those people i think it was like a kid so if i had killed that kid they wouldn't have burned all those people in that field or whatever so the groundwork was laid pretty nicely for duke to make that decision and like the you know, his initial being like, fuck you and walking away, but then seeing the kids being like, uh, so I thought that was fine. If I was because, Nick, yeah, like, because you, first, first he looks and he see, he looks at the van and he sees the Nick's children and he's like, dude, these are these kids are all going to fucking die if I don't do it. And then there's all these other kids that he had, these babies all, you know, speaking so, as a guy who had a kid uh, that <laughs> yeah. was going to kill him. Um just by, by proximity. Uh, and so him no, having a strange relationship with an unknown child. Um, yeah, so I think Duke was appropriate, appropriately written. Nathan, um, that was too pretty over, out of, it was pretty out of character. I mean, I, I thought Nathan was generally fine in this episode. I think I was saying earlier in this season, mm-hmm. I didn't like the way he behaved, but the leaving, the walking away thing felt totally wrong to me. Yeah, I think I mean he was fine with Audrey. I'm just I'm just so fucking sick of the yeah. Nathan doesn't trust Duke. Oh, you can't trust yeah. Duke. It just quit hitting me over the fucking head with it. He's known the guy since he was like fucking five. You know. Speaking of Nathan, though, hey, uh, you know he's been uh, stepping up the wardrobe this season. So I, I noticed he was wearing sports coats in like one and two. I mean, it's definitely in two. And then this this episode, he added the tie. Right. He's got the tie. He's got the skinny I, tie. I, I, I got maybe he was uh, picking up on the vibe that he was going to get kicked to the curb, and uh, now it's time to step up his game. And uh, you know, well, better uh, maybe get himself a therapist. Get himself back out on Bumble, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So him walking away, you know, what I was expecting Nathan to say was like, "No, like I'm not walking away. I know what you're planning here, and that's not how we like do things." But he's just like, "Okay." which is kind of like a writing convenience of like, uh, we need Nathan to kind of take a step away from this scene and Tommy to not be here either. <laughs> uh, and then, like I said, Audrey's behavior was just like the whole episode was just bugging me where I'm like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, she wouldn't act like right. that. She yeah. wouldn't act like that. She wouldn't act like that. Uh, her and Nathan definitely would have did something more about the whole pistol whipping fucking Zoe thing. I mean, well, I, was... I mean, would they? I don't know. I, I, I thought it was fine. I was on Tommy's well, side, actually, where I was like, yeah, fucking knock her out. Well, we've seen how easy it was for Nathan to just push fucking uh, uh, Nick's off of Connor. I mean, I just all. I thought that was inappropriate, man. The pistol whip? You thought the pistol whip was inappropriate? Fuck yeah. And, and you easily could have just pushed her off the body. You didn't need the pistol whipper. Nah, fuck that. I mean, once again, it's like somebody's life could be on the line. What if you try to push her and it didn't work and it, she kills someone because of it? It would have worked. You don't uh, take a chance. Oh, uh, it's person attacking that you can fucking it's just a pistol whip. I know. Mean, I know. Just a pistol. Just whip. a pistol whip. But like, it's OK, a, so like he pushes her off. Then what if she does something else crazy, like and attacks him like next to him or something like or attacks the person that's like pushing her off? Like, 
she, she won't attack them with their sucker because they're uh, not related. He doesn't know that though. Yeah, he they don't. She's on PCP. Yeah, that that would that would explain a whole lot of things. But I mean, that's what he said. He's like, yeah, I, you, these I, people are on PCP and shit. Uh, so I don't think Tommy's pistol whip was that crazy. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it. I don't. Like yeah, it. like. I don't know. Pushing the we uh, he could have pushed her, he could have pushed her off. I don't know. I feel like that's not that's not resolving the situation, right? And I'm not saying cops should like. I'm not in favor of cops just like you know killing people and stuff. I'm saying that is their operational like thing is to completely stop the situation entirely so nothing else can happen. So I think uh, and then obviously he's from the city, right? He's not like one of the you know oh, Haven PD like Andy. He's used to he's now he's from the streets, right? He's doing hardcore stuff. Obviously, since a hitman, he thought a hitman was fucking coming for him. He's into some shit. Well, yeah, he says he's clearly a dirty cop. Yeah, no, he's he's not Barney Fife with the one bullet in the <laughs> the pocket, the, the shirt pocket. Yeah, no. So I just I just didn't I I just didn't like that. I would like the pistol whip. <laughs> yeah, I figured you would. Yeah, oh, I because it's also surprising. We're like, oh, oh shit! Like you don't think he's gonna do that. So that's a nice moment. It's a, you know, informs the character. This guy means business, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. I don't. Uh, I said I didn't. I didn't like it. You, know? you just don't understand the Boston way, okay? Um. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't born in Massachusetts, and I'm not a masshole like yeah, you. Yeah. So you spent yeah. more time cognizant uh, there yeah. than I have, though. So, but uh, was his accent good? Because it. Didn't sound like he had no he in no way, shape, or form had a Boston accent. Because it wasn't no Boston, way. it sounded like a bad New York accent. It didn't yeah. like trying to be a Boston accent. Where they're like, hey, do a Boston accent. He started doing that and they're like, uh, okay, good enough, whatever. Watch well, us yeah, hear it, watch us he, hear him in real life and he has like a Boston accent. <laughs> yeah, he he, do, he doesn't sell out like I got the body in the car. Yeah, he doesn't have any of that. Um but it sounds like New York, where I was like, "This sounds like he has a New York accent." You know, I was, I, I was like, you know, this guy's important. You know that, but then I kind of, when I thought of it, it, was like, well, maybe he transferred to Boston, you know, where he could be a detective because he started in New York. I don't know. He, uh, he was a closeted uh, New York uh, Red Sox fan, so he finally got to live his dream. And uh, my God, I think oh. he wanted to go to Boston because obviously he's corrupt and he can, you know, try to find Whitey Bulger and work for him and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that there's no corruption in New York. You had to go to Boston to find it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's no city in this country where there's no corruption of some variety. So yeah, there, I, we we've talked about the deep, you know, under criminal underbelly of uh, Haven, Haven before. Yeah, he'll fit right in. Uh, so yeah, Audrey's Audrey's kind of mischaracterization to me was what draw you know because I think if Audrey had been characterized, in my opinion, correctly. Uh, this would have been a fun episode. I guess I would only bumped up to a seven because I don't think it has the capacity to be a great episode, but I thought it would go to a good episode instead of like a, a okay-ish episode. Okay. Uh, and one of the things that, you know, and, and I get it, I mean, but one of the things that made this one hard for me to like, it's just, you know, and um, I just can't wrap my head around a father being willing to harvest his own son's organs. You know, I... I mean, I think you got to like... I, under- I, I, 
I know there are selfish dirtbags in this world who have done worse to their fucking children. I know they exist. It's just, I just, I personally cannot wrap my fucking head around that. I mean, you know, it's, it's totally counterintuitive to what, you know, a parent's role is supposed to be. And it's just, just for me personally. And that, and that, that's took away from it. And, you know, and that's not their fault because like I said, there's parents who do horrible shit to their children and should, Oh, I don't want to go into well, it. That, I, I think that's just, like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Well, I think that's what's part of like the horror of the situation is I think the trouble, you know, drives them to that state, like of like insanity, basically, where like, I think if the trouble didn't activate, he wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't think of killing yeah. anyone, but like, the... oh, or would he, because uh, <laughs> he, he managed to come up with a plot and get a job at a sperm clinic and father that's true. Know, 30 well, kids. That's because his dad also did it to him, right? Like try to kill him to get his organs. Uh, so yeah. I think. Well, I and think, then he obviously he harvested the organs of his entire family, you know, which right. how he must have survived the trouble. The troubles must not have lasted super long in 83. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I have another thing about how long the troubles last in 83. We'll talk about that too. Yeah. Um, which maybe we should have talked about last episode, but I don't think I like thought about it till this episode. But I think that's the horror of the concept is like it drives people to like an insane state where like they you know, it drives you insane to the point of like, you're going to destroy the one thing that you're supposed to hold like sacred, right? Like, which is like your family. So I think to me, it works. I understand what you're saying that you just can't buy that. But I think that's part of what's like horrifying about it is that the, the trouble, you know, probably affects their brain in a different way too. like, in the way that like, when you're starving or thirsty, you'd be willing to do things otherwise that you wouldn't normally, mm-hmm. um, I get that. It's just like I said, I can't wrap my head around it. I, you know, I would not suck out your organs. There's no, there's no way. <laughs> I mean, if I had to, if I had to sacrifice myself for that, I would. Yeah. You know, but I say that now. Uh, you know. But yeah. That, I, I like to imagine that the trouble affects their brain in a way, and you know, like the way it like morphs their like idea of everything, I think is what uh, I think was okay. It wasn't like to me that, you know, a normal person. He's also, like you said, been preparing for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's been preparing for this. So like, I think yeah, speaking of that, just really quick. Uh, so if he's been preparing for this, he, he's going to be doing all of his harvesting in a distinctive sea dogs jacket, which by the way, I love, they brought back the sea dogs, high ho sea dogs, but this guy could, he had the, he had the, ability to come up with this master plan but then he's just going to abduct them in his he's going to use his own van and wear, wear a distinctive sea dogs jacket and I mean was it really a master plan he just went and worked at a sperm donor clinic and like you know switched his samples in it wasn't like I, I think that's a master that's a master plan that's like, a hey, plan but there's, there's no further steps or like prediction of I think for a master plan <laughs> this is totally off topic I think for a master plan you have to like you know, I imagine a chess player who's like also predicting the moves of people around them. He literally just went and like, you know, fucking, <laughs> you know, come on, give a give a masturbation euphemism here. You got a hundred thousand. Oh, he, you know, he just, you know, punched a munchkin into uh, quite right. a few specimens. Right. He just went and jerked off like a hundred times and flogged the bishop put, you know. and put it in there over a course of years. But like, it's not like he was like, OK, and then when people do this, I'm going to do this. He had no counters or anything. It was just like a, it was a one step plan, e- evil plan. I'll say evil, but not, I wouldn't I wouldn't go so far to say a master plan. You know? So you uh, he wasn't like yeah. tier, he wasn't like 
Tyrion in Game of Thrones, right? Like, you know, coming up with, or the a fucking uh, Littlefinger coming up with this fucking uh, tapestry of, yeah, uh, of, like, yeah. of like intentional chaos. chaos to grab power or something. So you apparently got a got a doctor doctorate from Evil Genius School yeah. School like uh, Doctor Evil. Yeah, that's right. You guys went to the same one. I mean, is is that is that school accredited? Iowa class of twenty eleven. No, I yeah. I'm just saying uh, uh, there's a plan and a master plan. I don't think uh, this is a master plan. It's just a plan, an evil plan. <laughs> if yeah, we're gonna get I, the classification. But but I mean like he's gonna harvest a girl right in the fucking middle of the street. That's pretty stupid. <laughs> you know? So that's what I'm saying is that it's not a master plan because it's like he just fucking jerked off and then he was going and killing people with his family minivan. Where I'm like his wife didn't question the bullets that hit the like she wasn't like hey what the fuck there's bullet holes in the back of like in the bumper. Oh Marjean, like, oh Marjean, yes. He's uh, like, oh yeah, these fucking crazy kids. It was the cutters. They fucking were shooting at the van because they saw the jacket. Saw the Sea Dogs jacket, you know. And you know, it's it's basically Havens, Bloods, and Crips. I mean, Sea Dogs think, and cutters. But I think this plays into like what I was saying is I think like, I, oh, I could say this. It's it's probably just sloppy writing, but I think there's an in-universe explanation that like that we can kind of infer is that this trouble makes him more animalistic right i think he's so driven by like the desperation that he doesn't you know he's he's not doing he doesn't have this like master plan of like hiding them in you know in specific places where he's never going to be found he's more thinking like an animal of like i just got to do it right fucking now because like the pain and like but he he does say he, he does he does even say that you know the you know the will to survive is very powerful strong so you know so I like to think that, yeah, it's kind of overrode his rational thought and like he's kind of operating more on like in, in animalistic instinct. Yeah. What? You know, why the hell did he have to go to Boston, the harvest in Boston? Because that he, I he has over 30 in uh, Haven. You know, but. Well, that's why I thought I was thinking throughout the whole thing that Tommy was just lying. Um, but then again, I also don't know how he would come up with the shit he came up with, how he would even know about the missing organ. But I, I when I first heard it, I was like, what? Why would yeah. he do that in Boston? Maybe they were on a family vacation in Boston. He did it there. He just sold her on this family vacation they were leaving for. So I don't think he would have been able to sold her on a second it's vacation summer. if they just had a vacation. It's summer. Oh my god. So you know what? I, you know what it probably was. Um, you know, I could see him going to Boston to do it. You know, as a don't shit where you eat type situation, right? Like he uh, was trying to feed on people that had were further away from him. You know, maybe he said it was a business trip or something. And then, and then, you know, he was running out of options. And started there was one, there. there was one when he had 29 there and he knew he was going to have to start tapping into well, the 29 we, there. They must not all live there. Right. Like sure. Some, some have, some haven't, but so I could see the thought process of a go feed on they, someone. They had a, place... a list of 29 who were there in Haven. Okay. Okay. Hold on. So, like I said, the logic, this kind of makes sense of like, go feed on someone who is far away from you before you have to start breaking into the, you know, the more desperate measures, which is the people closer to you. Like you don't start at the beginning, right at the people near you. Cause then they could find you faster, you know, go eat a person in Boston, go eat a person in Pittsburgh, go eat a person in Toronto, then, you know, start digging into the, then start digging into the supply at home. It's funny. I'm reading a book where there are some cannibals that, uh, you know, the protagonist had to get away from and uh, they did. That's neither here nor there. 
Terry Brooks. Make sure you all read Terry Brooks. He's good. He's great, actually. But then, then again, okay, I, I see your point, but I just, you know, I don't know. I don't. Know. I think it's. I think it's. It's. I think writing shortcuts that have. I think if you kind of try to get in the head of the character, you can kind of like. Once again, are we doing work for the writers? Yes. I don't think I'm doing that. I don't think I'm doing that much work for the writer, though. Uh, I think you're doing a decent, decent amount. But, you know, I I thought the same thing that, you know, myself. But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't, uh, you know, I I was not too too cool with it. But I I get it. I get it. I don't think it's that big a deal. I think the Audrey's characterization is much, much. Oh, that, that, that yeah, that's not even close. That's a big but, sin. But it's just to me, it just feels like the episode. You know, it's one of those ham to me a ham-fisted episode where they're like, we gotta make Duke use his trouble and further set up the polarization between Duke and uh, Nathan. You know, push Nathan away more towards the, uh, the the guard and Duke towards his trouble, and then Audrey, which it is pretty neat in one way in one episode. Audrey managed to alienate the two most important men that, that she cares about in her life. So I guess, you know, that, that's an accomplishment. Maybe that's why there's felt like there was so much in this episode that it felt so, crun- you know, so much crunched in. I, I didn't know. think it was like too crunched in. Um, personally, I do think, like I said, uh, I do think a lot of it was just an excuse to get, or like there's a lot of justification for Audrey to behave the way she would when, there's no there's no way that's how it work i'm i'm fine with like the concept also of like creating a trouble that does that i think i was saying in the first episode that they should have steered away from the alien thing and like done something that like you know was more push them to like be in pairs so that they like have to be with like you know people they don't want to be with like nathan and duke would have to be together vince and dave would have to be together blah 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 so I think that's yeah. fine. Uh, so they, they went with the real alien thing where something shoots out of you to, to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that's OK. I think, like I said, it's just that to pull it off required Audrey to completely act out of character and Nathan to have moments of being out of character. Uh, and I think it kept Duke in character for the whole time. Yeah, I, I think I, I think Eric Balfour did a great job in this episode. I mean, and he's almost always excellent. I mean, the, the three of them are, are very good. But um, in this, I mean, I just really liked Duke in this episode. He's like, the poor guy can't catch a fucking break. I mean, I mean, that's been this season. They've been. Yeah, it's put Duke through the ringer and then be like, oh, my God, Duke's going to become a bad guy. And you're like, well, yeah, you guys are like torturing him. Yeah, you're pushing him, hit, beating him over the head with it until it, it happens. So, but hey, I guess you know, I I I'd prefer they just push a character a certain direction rather than like have him walk the line between forever. So, I guess I won't complain. It just feels like ham. It just feels ham-fisted with like Audrey, of all people, Audrey doing that. Where it's like Audrey, like maybe if we. I had Claire manipulating Duke into things because we don't, you know, maybe she's got a secret motivation or blah, blah, blah. Like, I think it would make sense for a different character to be pushing. Duke. Yeah, yeah. Like, all right. So, so Claire, Claire's attractive. So why not have her start like flirt with Duke a little bit, worm his way in and then start manipulating him. Like, you know, like so many psychiatrists can. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, have a, I don't know what the phobia is for psychiatrists, but I have, no, I'm kidding. I don't have it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I think that would be a better solution than Audrey like going full like 
master plan chess master on on Duke. But hey, like I said, there, there were cool things they brought back. Uh, they brought back the sea dogs. That that was pretty cool. Uh, they brought back the hunter, the old uh, abductor. Well, not really hunter. I should say they, they brought back the abductor thing. That was kind of cool, kind of tie, tying it in. So, like I said, there were some good good things in this. You know, Eric did a great job. And uh, hey, on Tommy's car, they put Massachusetts plates. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that's an easy spot where you can mess up, but they they didn't. I think I I think I still have the Massachusetts plates uh, in, uh, in in the garage from yeah, back when I was stationed there and you were born there. Proof of your mass hold'em overusing it yeah <laughs> uh lucasi became the full-time coroner now yeah well i guess you know because he gets that day off for surfing yeah uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah you're the one who it really got annoyed when he did a he subbed in as a coroner one day yeah and i was like well okay but now him like full he just switched full time from like running a psychiatric facility to like Hey, yeah, I I was like, okay, I can understand maybe like subbing in because there's like a lack of doctors for like a day. Oh yeah, or, it, but like, come on. Like, yeah, don't, don't don't get me wrong. I I think it's bullshit that he's now the coroner. I I just I don't <laughs> buy that in any way, shape, or form. But you know, I guess we gotta freaking accept it because hey, apparently, and that's another thing. Of all the secondary characters, they can't find someone a little more compelling than Lucchese to involve. Oh come I mean, on, you don't like you don't think Lucchese's compelling, dude? This is the guy who smashed all the chemicals in there. I'd be like, I don't think I trust your opinion <laughs> on, or like your judgment, dude. They should I'm going to re- re- recreate this. Yeah, like, all right, Andre, uh, just hold on. You know, fucking shatters the. I'm oh. like, what the? You're a fucking idiot, actually. Let, let me shoot some some people in the head with bolt guns to see if it looks the same as <laughs> these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Luke Casey. I'm like, man, bring yeah, back we, fucking Ray with the recorder versus, you know, more yeah, than do we Casey. Do we need Dr. Frankenstein to fucking be the, like, in charge of like a major department? I'd be like, uh, Let's bring someone in from Boston. Uh, better yet, we probably just shouldn't have killed the doctor. Uh, Eleanor shouldn't have been, Carr shouldn't have been killed in the first place. Yeah, I, I wish like, they wouldn't have killed her in the first place. She was a great character. Well, it just kind of felt shitty because it felt like they were killing her, you know, and subbing in her daughter to kind of take her role and have a more prominent role. And then, and you can't tell me she wasn't supposed to. She was definitely supposed to because of the fucking tattoo bullshit on her arm was clearly yeah. a fucking hint that she was supposed to play some bigger role in season two or like part of the mystery. And then they're like, oh, she went to Africa. Yeah. So like, she must not have been as big a part of the, you know, the season seven, seven seasons of lore. Yeah. yeah. They're like, or maybe, you know, maybe they had to burn a whole giant chunk. Maybe Julia was supposed to be like the fucking centerpiece of it all. And they're like, oh, fuck. The actress doesn't want to come back. We're going to have to burn a whole giant chunk of the seven seasons she said she didn't want to come back because eric couldn't stop commenting on her bum yeah (laughs) um yeah so like eleanor just getting kind of brushed aside because they wanted to invest more in a character that they ended up dumping anyway is just or you know we don't know the circumstance of that but like of a character who ended up not is kind of like 
I don't know. It's like you trade a player from your team to another team for somebody who then leaves in the off season anyway. So you're like, well, fuck. Like, yeah, it they, looks they like call, we got nothing out of this. They, they call them rentals. Yeah, generally, generally, yeah. you accept that. You don't pay as high of a price in the trade because you know they're going to bail at the end of the season. Now, there's times where you trade for them and you're hoping to keep them, and then right. you get Carlos Boozard. And uh, you know, for NBA fans, he asked to be out of his contract, promised to resign, uh, and then once he was out of his contract signed with someone else for more well, money yeah that's different though he didn't get traded right like no he didn't get traded but it no, was no, no. Still- this is like this is like uh recently and not that like i hold it against him or anything but since we're talking about boston evan fournier got traded to the celtics last season as a you know at the only it's only mm-hmm. that year on his contract with the hopes that he'd resign and then went to the new york knicks anyway uh which i think was fine but like that's, you know, you trade for them and then they leave anyway. So that's kind of what we got. It's like we traded away Eleanor Carr, got Julia Carr, and then she left in the offseason anyway. And we got nothing out of it. And it's like we lost. We should have just never traded. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, Eleanor was a great character. I mean, I still think they were trying to get, uh, you know, basically get a younger sidekick for Audrey to be friends with and, you know, possible love interests for Duke. I thought it was going to be more like, a, yeah, like I, I kind of think the role Evie ended up playing was the role maybe Julia was going to play, whereas she would be with him, but like playing actually a secret agenda, except hers would be for the guard rather than. Right. Uh, and, and and hopefully she wouldn't just run out of the, the police station and get herself shot. You know, yeah. I demand answers. Instead, she just ran straight to Africa. Um, yeah. Well, so she, she missed the rains down in Africa. Uh, Lucchese, Lucchese, <laughs> it's just kind of like an absurd character in general i don't know I, I i thought it was nice when we get him occasionally but i'm not sure that i want him you know in previous episodes i've been like oh you know he came back awesome but yeah, i'm not I, like yeah i don't think I, i'm don't, psyched for him to be like their you know the accessory character that he's because like, that he's going to become or it's like yeah what? i don't i don't think i want this much lucasi i mean <laughs> maybe at most twice a season come on you know like i said he's not that compelling not he's not you compelling. said he's not that compelling uh i i said i once every or, you know every couple episodes that's fine and maybe that's what it'll be maybe it'll stick to every once in a while but it's kind but of damn, an important role. There's a lot of dead bodies that have I to get say corner's through. an important role in uh you the know police procedural. Yeah, you know, and that's thing. If they don't kill off Eleanor Carr, she served as the coroner. So right. that was just uh sad, you know. But uh hey, uh regarding uh oh Miriam LaCroix, I mean, just handing her phone to a stranger. They don't teach stranger oh, danger yeah. in Haven. No stranger danger in Haven. Come on. I was like, what the f- fuck are you doing and like the second and he starts acting so weird when she gives him the phone he's like oh, uh, let me it, just it, uh, it, make this the, co- the, thanks <laughs> i was like okay. the, the sniff yeah i mean like, come on come on that that was uh i was a little disappointed with that but you know i get oh, it. whatever it's you know yeah hey teenagers uh, and kids get kidnapped like that all the time in real life you know oh easy so, zodiac yeah i'm just saying it happens these numbers don't just like in, come up out of like you know they're not fake kids get kidnapped doing stuff like that all the time go you know and they 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 believe they've identified zodiac now yeah that 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 group uh that that group of retired cops and all kinds of other people and Mm -hmm. uh believe they have named him but we'll save that for our zodiac podcast uh upcoming (laughs) watch for it but uh yeah so i don't know 
once again, a little convenient, but I get it. Yeah, you know, uh, who knew running was so popular in Haven? I mean, my God, there's been a whole lot of running in in Haven. I didn't just just never would have expected it for a small seacoast town. That much jogging, jogging, jogging. It might be a soft J. You know, there's a lot of joggers. It's I, I think like uh, a lot of people move into small towns like that. You know, these like REI aficionados and whatnot. They're like, I'm gonna go be one with nature and live in like a million dollar house and jog and go like hiking in the woods and stuff and like blah 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 blah, blah. well and there there's good and there is good surfing there i know my my buddy who uh, he's not going there to surf he's actually uh taking some vets for uh for other activities but yeah that's uh he, he goes to maine he's be like his i think second or third time in maine this year so i think what we really need to talk about what we really need to question is is Haven a big enough town slash city, whatever, to have its own oh. sperm like bank? Fertility clinic. Yeah, yeah. fertility clinic. It'd be one thing to have a sperm bank if you're just collecting samples, but this is a fertility clinic and true, the whole thing, yeah, the, yeah. the whole shebang, you know. And I was thinking the same thing. And, and the, boy, uh, you know, yeah, the uh, second they were like, okay, the fertility, I was like, uh, you guys have one of those? Like, mm-hmm. eh, like I went to a town the size of like, Roughly of what Haven should be recently, and there were no no fertility clinic there, buddy. Yeah, and, and you know, and even Nathan uh, when he says, "Yeah, yeah, we got a fertility clinic, and even a few stoplights." I I like the joke. It was funny. Was, it was, but I was but, like, "But you really have a fertility clinic?" <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That that was uh, that was one of uh, my questions I had listed for you. That was probably my my second last question. Oh yeah, you you've worn me down to the just the last one. <laughs> But I agree with you that yeah, it seems odd that there would be a fertility clinic in a, in a small in a town, small town of Haven size, and that uh, Paul's mother would travel up to Haven to. <laughs> they got the best sperm in Haven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, should, uh, they should have that on the sign. You're now entering uh, Haven, home of Maine's best sperm. Uh, you might just catch a curse while you're at it. You yeah, know, catch a show, watch the docs, get cursed. All the yeah. fun stuff you know, from a small town. You'll wish it was only a sexually transmitted disease. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Director's I'm sure, cut. I'm sure, I'm sure Joe. Joe was trying to get that uh, put. He's like, "Come on, guys! I'm in, you know I'm the one bringing all the tourism. It's gonna work. It's a good slogan." And they're like, "No, but that's what it is. That's what it is." Nick swapped out all of Joe Campbell's sperm. It was, yeah, all, Joe it was all Joe Campbell. He thought he came up with the the, the scheme first, but oh uh, yeah, on him. yeah. Nick's Nick's did the old bait and switch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the fertility <laughs> clinic immediately rang false. I was like, nope, nope, no, 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 no. Maybe in Portland, you know, not so maybe in Portland, it would make sense to me. Yeah, Portland, Augusta. Yeah, that was one uh, of these bigger cities. But I was like, mm, I don't think so, buddy. Oh, yeah, we, we've got we've got a fertility clinic right next to the Dixie Boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go get you a, a Slurpee and a bag of chips and then you can get some sperm and, uh, you know, become a new mother. So uh, my last question to you, did you notice anything, uh, any like uh, on, during the episode plugging the show or no, you didn't notice a, a hashtag escape to Haven? No, I didn't notice it. Where was it? 
It was uh, when Sherry, the fiance, was in the interview room. It was right on the back wall. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I was looking away, but like listening during that. Yeah. Like, uh, and then I looked up when I don't know they were saying something, but I didn't notice it. Where was it? Was it just written on the wall and like marker? Yeah, it just looks like it, it was just like written on black. I'm sure it was probably uh, you know maybe. It, I was gonna say superimposed, maybe, but yeah, it's it's right on the wall, and it's and it's and it's not small. It's not like because uh, like with that classroom uh, last season, it was pretty subtle. This wasn't subtle. It was kind of big, <laughs> but it's one of those things. If you're like ma- making an observation, and you have your eyes down, you you could miss it. Yeah, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure I was putting something down, and then or like typing something into my phone, and then I was like, and then I looked up like later, but. You, you you were putting down your laughter of there being a fertility clinic in Haven. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I think I think I was like I think I was writing down like Lucasi. Like what the fuck? Uh, yeah, he's back, and this time he's even more important. Well, <laughs> I, I think earlier when we were uh, going through kind of the recap, you know, kind of the summary, I explained that in real life there's been a, you know, this has happened a lot where doctors have been swapping in their sperm. So I just kind of looked it up. And one of the more famous one is uh, Cecil Jacobson, who may have fathered up to 70 children from 76 to 98 in Vienna, uh, Virginia. And then, with, you know, I, so I've read through a couple more. And then the one that really got me was there was Dr. Kim McMorris in Nagadoches, Texas, which isn't too far from me. <laughs> he had substituted his sperm for, for donor sperm as well. And then one of these kids actually went to find out who her real father was for 13 years, developed a relationship with this man. And then when somebody in the family got sick, she took a DNA DNA test and she couldn't like, you know, donate because they weren't related. So, you know, and he's still practicing. As of March, he was still practicing. So they in fact, gave him the Nick Cannon, you know, award of the year, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Nick Cannon. Yeah, boy, don't, don't even t- let's not hope he's not listening to this episode because then we're really going to have some issues, man. Yeah. Then he's going to try to have he's trying to get us pregnant, too. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be he'll be firing cannonballs all across America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That, pretty that, fucked that's up. A pretty, bad joke. pretty dark uh, thing for real life. Uh, pretty villainous, pretty villainous. I, once again, not a, maybe not a master plan, but uh, a plan. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be the ultimate egotistical thing, you know, yeah. narcissistic thing to do. I well, mean, wait, in real life or his version, uh, the Haven version, Haven version. I don't know if I'd say it's narcissistic. no, no real life. I would say yeah. real life. Yeah, real life. I was like, his unless more he's based on survival, unless he's thinking, you know, I went to med school, became a doctor. I'm pretty smart. That'd be a useful skill for, you know, a lady <laughs> who, you know, I, you know, for a lady's baby to have a child, you know, but if it's for like a couple. Uh, it's real. And then again, you know, I don't know. I, I just can't, I can't wrap my head around it, but it was. Uh, yeah, I don't really see the appeal personally. Yeah, because yeah, um, I remembered I thought I'd heard of I almost thought I'd heard of the one that uh, the, the character Tommy mentions in Cambridge that kind of struck a bell. And then I mean, I just brought it up and I had like five immediately, like on the first page and you know, all different ones. And it was uh, so I think so. what we're learning is men should not be allowed to work at fertility clinic sperm banks, basically, because. We can't yeah. control ourselves. They can't. They can't trust. They cannot be trusted. So yeah. Uh, this episode was uh, written by Ernst and Dunn and directed by our good friend T.W. Peacock. Uh, back again. He's kind of one of the regulars, it seems. 
Ernst and Dunn. Yeah, I can see why they took control of this one. You know, there's a lot of big s- strokes that have to be <laughs> <laughs> for uh, big strokes at the sperm clinic. Yeah. Okay, come on, come on. It's going to be more <laughs> subtle than that. You took it the the, the low hanging fruits. Uh, there were some broad strokes that they had to take care of in this one. Um, uh, I won't debate you on it, but uh, but there was no uh, no commentary on this episode. Uh, I can see why. It can, <laughs> I think it's Ernst and Dunn are just done with the commentaries, maybe because like the next episode, I was looking at the commentary for episode four, and it's going to be. Matt McGinnis and Gabriel Stanton again. So I'm like, oh, here we fucking go. Uh, I hope they've improved since the last one. But I would not be surprised if it was just back to back, if they just recorded the, you know, like, yeah, it was yeah. the, like same set session per se. Like you just spend kind of two hours doing it. Um, <laughs> we'll see if they kind of Irish goodbye that one too, where it just stops and they're just like, what, are they think, gone? What? You think, think they'll notice if we uh, just stop talking <laughs> yeah. and leave the room? We're probably not even in the room anymore. Uh, so. Uh, yeah. So we'll see with episode four. We got another commentary. None on this one. But I would like to hear uh, Ernst and Dunn's explanation on some of this stuff. And maybe some of the humor Dunn would be dropping about this particular episode. I, I got a feeling he would have been worse than we've been with the sperm clinic uh, It's sperm, you know, and it's a fertility clinic and sperm donor collection site. So, uh, yeah, but I, I got a feeling he would be worse than us, even though I mean, we, I, we, we were pretty bad. Uh, last I mean, time we, we really beat a dead horse and, uh, don't, don't say anything. Um, thought for sure. You're going to force the word off into that sentence somewhere. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, last time Dunn was a little more serious and Ernst was the one that was kind of cracking, cracking wise, as they say. Uh, last time, I remember thinking that, you know, they did kind of a, a role reversal. little Freaky Friday. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, no commentary on this one. So we're kind of in the dark on it. Yeah, I mean, I I actually am with you on that. I, I jokingly said I'm glad. To, no, I would like a commentary. I would like an explanation, you know. And sometimes commentaries have made me raise a score, a point, you know. And, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I just kind of want to hear what their thoughts are on this, Audrey, if they're like, oh, this is normal. Or they're like, you know, we kind of had to stretch a bit. But then them questioning their own work is probably exactly why there is no commentary, because they would have been like, oh, you know, how, <laughs> how are we going to explain this? Ooh, what are we going to say this time? Oh, you know, it's in character for Audrey, right? And we're like, no, uh, you know, or maybe they just are busy. You didn't want to do it. All right. Which speaking of credits and directors, writers, uh, this leads to our question for our season two Blu-ray giveaway here on season three of our show in the season of fall. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) So we wanted to ask a question there. We, for a future upcoming episode, we have uh, in season three called real estate. It's coming up soon. There's a documentary that was released. That's uh, 40 ish minutes called the haunting truth about Haven, a documentary. Uh, We wanted to ask you, the audience, who the director is. You can find this information online if you know how to look for it. Uh, But the first person to kind of tell us who this director is will be given season two. So the director of The Haunting Truth About Haven, a documentary, will win. Whoever guesses who the director is correctly will win. And you can uh, email us or uh, hit us up on, uh, on the Twitter. Right. And you can email us at troubledrewatchpod at gmail.com. 
Uh, and then uh, on Twitter, we are at Havens Troubled. That's capital H and a capital T. Contact us there. You can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Because that's it for the episode. We're outroing you right now. Uh, follow us on Patreon. We do bonus episodes, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, that's it for me. And this is uh, your host, Rich French. I uh, want to thank you for listening and hope you, you know, engage with us with, you know, by email or uh, Twitter and, uh, you know, carrier pigeon. And if you want to ship, have one fly all the way to San Antonio, it seems like all the rest of the birds are here. Goodness, gosh, they're and they poop everywhere. But nonetheless, we want to thank you for listening and uh, appreciate your support and be safe. And most importantly,